the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Investor and the lifelong trader. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason. Ukrainian President Zelensky gets a strong pledge of support from his Italian counterpart as Zelensky visits Rome for talks with Italian officials and the Pope. The latest Biden poll numbers are in. As of Thursday, RealClearPolitics.com reports the president's approval only a fraction above 42 percent based on an average of 10 major polls, drilling down to specific issues, including the economy, foreign policy, crime, and the direction of the country. Mr. Biden's job approval numbers fall even further to only 38.1 percent approving, with more than 57 percent of respondents disapproving. George Williams reporting. A disappointing readout on consumer sentiment sent Wall Street lower to close out the trading week. The Dow, the Nasdaq, the S&P all ending in the red yesterday. Not huge losses, but losses nonetheless. This is SRN News. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. I always thought that tires would be more expensive at a dealership, but Invergrove Hyundai proved me wrong. Hi, it's Mike from Rosemont. I knew I needed a new set of tires before winter. My go-to is usually my warehouse club because, hey, they're a warehouse club, right? They have to have the best deal. I bought two cars at Invergrove Hyundai, and they're great to work with, so I thought I'd just see what they had to offer. I told Tyler what I usually spend and asked if he had a good set of tires in that price range. He gave me a great quote, and it was a few bucks under my limit on a set of four tires. Plus, he got me in and out in an hour. If you need tires, skip the specialty shop and the warehouse clubs and give Invergrove Hyundai a call. Let them know what you need, and they'll take care of you like they did for me. Invergrove Hyundai's service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Yes! 
use your hat. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Uh, the Biz 1440, second hour of today's show. Supposed to be the let just before the uh, start of spring. Doesn't feel like it out there. 15 degrees up here in St. Cloud right now. Uh, but I know um, sitting in a hopefully a, a much better, warmer place. My friend uh, and frequent guest, uh, whenever we've got a question about banks, uh, Vern McKinley. Uh, Vern is uh, a research fellow with the Independent Institute. Uh, he is an author of uh, two. Uh, he's author of Financing Failure, which is all about bailouts. Uh, co-author of Borrowed Time: uh, Two Centuries of Booms, Busts, and Bailouts at uh, City Citibank um, or Citigroup, I guess uh, is the best way to put that. Um, and we were talking about we were talking about uh, doing this all the way back on last weekend uh, when this started. And the and and Vern's concern was well maybe. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. Uh, won't be a story next weekend. Oh my gosh, Vern! It's a story. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, King. How's that soft landing uh, going for you right now? Yeah, I'm not. It's not feeling real soft right this moment, is it? So I just <laughs> spent the last hour talking about what the Fed might do on Wednesday, and and certainly, certainly, we know that. Um, uh, the markets are actually only 62% when I last checked uh, the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, 62% probability that they'll go up 25 basis points, 38% chance that they will not move rates at all. And the expectation going forward is down uh, and and down and down. But um, I, I mean, if you got something you want to say about that, go ahead. But otherwise, I want to get to – I want to go through sort of a – uh, a TikTok of what's going on in the last uh, in the last uh, basically eleven days. Sure. Okay. So let's start. Let me start where the beginning is. Um, how much attention did you pay? Because the one that we haven't talked about very much on this show, not even this week or last week, was Silvergate, right? Which is the first bank, and it doesn't actually get closed by regulators. It just chooses to shut its doors, right? Um, what was there that maybe could have been the canary in the coal mine for what happened after that? Well, yeah, Silvergate was the front of this um, five these five institutions that you had mentioned, and of those, Silvergate, yeah, as you said, it didn't actually fail. Um, it was the equivalent of a, a child saying they wanted to take their ball home and not play anymore. They just got out of the business and they're going to work with their uh, legal and financial advisors to wind down. So I think it's kind of in another category than these other institutions like Silicon Valley and Signature and the others, because, um, I mean, it was definitely having some financial problems. It had a, had a business model problem as far as how it was going to handle 
the um, the drop in the in the crypto market, but I think it was obviously in a little better position than than these other two that were closed by the FDIC. If 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 it was in you know bad shape, equivalent to those two institutions, FDIC um, would have been appointed uh, receiver by the state authority already. Right. So they just they close their doors and they're they're pretty much done. Right. We we we. And I'm going to Silver move Gate. them to the side. I'm going to move them to the no, side. They're, right. They're actually still operating. I mean, if you go on their website today, you can you can open an account and everything. This will be a process that'll take some time to liquidate them. But it's 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 called a self liquidation or a voluntary liquidation. So they didn't they, it wasn't forced upon them, but they are over the next months and maybe years going to be winding down their um, their operations. And so just to jump a little bit, there is there is discussion that uh, the closure of Signature Bank, which is probably flown under the radar because the name is just not as sexy as Silicon Valley Bank, uh, but uh, but a good sized bank itself was also involved in the crypto world um, and lending there. Did you see any connection between Silvergate and Signature? Well, yeah, there was a <clears throat> obvious connection when Silvergate went down in the sense of it uh, lost a lot of its business. The idea was, well, Signature is going to pick up a lot of that business and, you know, run with it and they'll they'll be fine. And I think most analysts were pretty surprised when Signature um, kind of dipped there at the end of the week. Um, I mean, they've been hit with a lot of the same interest rate issues as far as the interest rate risk not being uh, managed very well. They're actually a little different in the sense of they they're um, a little focused on real estate, and that obviously has gone down with the pandemic. You got people working from home. There's questions about commercial real estate values, and then of course they had the famous Barney Frank um, on their board. So um, you know they they really didn't get much attention until, and it was really surprised that they closed on Sunday. I mean, sometimes during the week you most of the time you do it on Friday. There's rare cases where it's on another day of the week, but Sunday was kind of a, a crazy time to to be shutting them down, and I think it was done to coincide with that announcement, um, you know, that was made by the Troika of Treasury, FDIC, and the Fed. Right. Okay. So, so it, it, we'll get to, and we're going to get to that. I mean, why did? But they, you know, so let me let me pick up on something you said. Uh, we're visiting with Vern McKinley from the Independent Institute, uh, author of Financing Failure and uh, b- co-author of Borrowed Time. Um, Vern, the, I talked about this on the show last week. I always wanted to review review for folks. You, you've been around uh, regula- regulations and regulators. You did, you did spend some time at FDIC um, uh, earlier in your career. Um, the normal way a bank gets closed, okay, through a process called purchase and assumption. Can you just run people quickly through what that normally looks like and, and why it was so unusual to see what it was that that was done to Silicon Valley Bank on Friday morning? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been involved in some of these. I was an examiner early in my career. Uh there's a couple of clean ways to do it. Most of them involve uh, the examiners, um, uh, liquidators going in on a Friday, uh, close a business, and then they spend the weekend reconciling and 
and all. And the preliminary work to that is they usually reach out to potential buyers of the franchise. And um, most of the time, probably 80, 90% of the time, the uh, FDIC, which is appointed as receiver, is able to do what you said was a, a purchase and assumption. You purchase the assets, you assume the liabilities. There's a couple other types of transactions, insured deposit transfers um, that are kind of a, a, a slightly different approach. And then you can do a just a straight deposit payout if you don't have an acquirer handy. And, you know, the um, FDIC has a limit of 250000 and, um, you know, that that's pretty hard, hard and fast law as far as you know that that's the limitation of the of the coverage and um there's been a very few cases over the last 40 50 years where they've kind of ignored that but it's it it um you know is generally not done and i mean the fdic has been doing this for 90 years so i mean literally hundreds of thousands of people have lost money in in bank failures because they had money over the limit um and that's why it was, to me, pretty outrageous uh, in this case, what happened in um, Silicon Valley and also Signature, where they covered all of these uh, uninsured depositors. In the case of Silicon Valley Bank, you had uh, you know, depositors with millions or tens of millions of dollars. They were um, in, obviously, Silicon Valley there, and uh, many of them were in the technology industry. And to me, it just seems like, uh, I mean, they just, they might have very good technical skills in developing these, uh, um, um, you know, the, the technology, but I mean, they just have awful uh, management skills on the cash side. And I think some of it may have been done because of the business model Silicon Valley supposedly forced them if they were going to, um, if they wanted to bank there, that they would keep you know, pretty high balances. Uh, but this should have raised red flags with the FDIC, definitely. I mean, I think something north of 95, maybe 96 or 7% of the of the um, deposits were uninsured. And, you know, again, they were all covered. I mean, it's a completely inequitable situation, um, short-sighted. Um, and, and it really throws into question you know, where the status of the deposit insurance system now, it's almost like a point of no return. I mean, where do you, where do you go forward here with this? Um, and when you have these two, two banks that by all measures, I mean, I mean, they weren't the size of city or JP Morgan or, um, you know, anything along those lines, certainly, but they made the decision to, um, uh, you know, cover all these uninsured depositors. Right, right. So, so they've decided to to do. That. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go a little over time, uh, Spencer. Just just because I want to play this clip for you. This was um, Sheila Bear, uh, former FDIC uh, uh, chair. Um, she was on Neil Cavuto's show uh, late this week, and I wanted to get your reaction to this, Vern, so I'm going to play this for you. This is just a little clip when she's asked if this is a layman moment. And she respond, and she responds interestingly that no, this is this is a different moment. And I, you just you just uh, triggered me to uh, play this for you now. Cut number two, Spencer. 
Yeah. Well, I think this is more of a Bear Stearns moment. I think a lot of people, mm. including me, said when they bailed out Bear Stearns, they were creating, a, they, they increased moral hazard. They created an expectation of further bailouts. And there's no doubt in my mind, Lehman Brothers would have solved its own problems earlier on. It would have sold itself, raised more capital, all the above, if they hadn't thought in the back of their minds, you know, they wouldn't dare, you know, not bail out, us out. We're bigger than Bear Stearns. So, so Vern, question. Is is what happened last weekend in the Sunday afternoon piece, in your view, do you think this is going to encourage more failures down the road? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I agree 100 percent with uh, Chairman Bear um, on that. It's it's creepy. Of, I mean, this is 15 years ago. March is when um, Bear Stearns yep. um, uh, happened. Almost exactly and this weekend, as I recall. Yeah, and then you had what you had after that in the spring and summer was people just scanning the whole financial sector to figure out, well, who is just like Lehman? I mean, I'm sorry, who's just like Bear? And it turned out, you know, Lehman had some similarities and ended up failing. But I mean, that, and and think about all the uncertainty now because everybody is, uh, I mean, you got analysts who are looking at, you know, dozens of banks that could potentially be in the same circumstances. That paper that came out um, just this week, the academic paper, um, yep. does exactly yep. that. And um, it's just an enormous amount of uncertainty. I mean, the, it's it's uncertain for the banks. It's um, because they don't know if they're going to be um, uh, covered just like these two banks that were covered this past weekend. And, um, you know, it's going to be just a lot of a couple could be a couple weeks, could be a couple months until the next shoe drops, just like it did in, in 2008. But it's just and the, the bailout, I don't see the bailouts calmed anybody down. Because these other institutions have the same problems, they have the the same interest rate risk uh, issues. They have the um, same issue with the you know the hold to majority or I'm, I'm sorry hold to maturity type okay. of uh, situation on their books where they have the embedded um, losses on there that are unrealized and you know so it's just brought even more uncertainty to what was already in a certain situation about eight or nine days ago. Yeah, I've got to take a I've got to take a quick break here, Vern, but uh, we'll come right back. Uh, we're visiting with Vern McKinley. I think the question to ask next, it, it, the, the questions to ask next are, are uh, concerning perhaps even a bank this week. We've only touched on three. We really are, and we haven't really dug deep into Silicon Valley here. And there are a couple of questions you need to ask about that. We're visiting Vern McKinley from the Independent Institute here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Hi, this is Tim Oberg from the Kingdom Builders. You know, when we go out to do roof inspections, we often find older roofs that were replaced maybe 15, 20, 25 years prior, but we notice that the roofer never replaced the attic vents or other key roof components. 
This can seriously compromise the integrity of a roof and allow leaking, mold and mildew, and other damage that can require more expensive repairs down the road. With the Kingdom Builders, we always install new attic vents, new valley metal, and new gutter apron if we'll be installing new gutters. In other words, we don't cut corners. We always have one of our own roofing project managers show up on site with our crews to make sure all details are addressed from the beginning of the job. And we warranty our workmanship for the life of your roofing products. If you'd like a free roofing, gutter, or siding quote, or need an inspection after a hailstorm, call us at 612-900-9166 or reach out at thekingdombuilders.com where we always say we're not salesmen, we're just great roofers. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trust Pilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances, heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451. You're not going to like my answer, Daryl. Oh, boy. Number one, either your house sells or you cut bait. I wouldn't close on the deal unless the other one's gone. Got it. What I am just describing is very emotional because what I just did is I stuck a pin in your dream and blew it up. And that is heartbreaking. I never tell people to own two houses at once. One foot on the boat, one on the dock. The dock's leaving. Your butt's going to get wet. Break free from debt with The Ramsey Show. Weekday afternoons, 1 to 4. Live on the Biz 1440. The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. All right, welcome back, King Banging Show, The Biz 1440. I can already tell an hour's not going to be enough, but... That's all they give me, so got to go fast. Vern McKinley uh, from the Independent Institute, author of of both Financing Failure, about a, a century of bailouts, and then later co-author of Borrowed Time, uh, History of Citibank with uh, James Freeman. Uh, I've put up uh, links so that you can find both of those pages, both both uh, bio of Vern and, the, and Financing Failure and the Amazon page for Borrowed Time. They're there. There's only seven copies of Borrowed Time, they tell me. So order fast, guys. Um, get those, get those, get, get Vern those royalties, please. Um, anyway, 651-289-4477, the number to call with questions and comments. So, so I, people are getting upset about all these references to moral hazard. And yet, and, and, and yet I think, I think what Chair Bear said, uh, former FDIC Chair uh, Sheila Bear said, I think is really true. I do think I do think she called it right that this is the Bear Stearns moment. And it's almost funny that it's fifteen fifteen years to the week uh, that that uh, that 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 actually happened, and um, and so 
Vern, maybe, and I'm going to go forward and back a little bit, but let me go forward to what's going on right now with First Republic Bank. So last weekend, you mentioned after Bear, everyone's looking around to see what places are like Bear and how should we react to those. And now all of a sudden, everyone's looking to see what banks are like uh, SVB. And one of the banks that pops up is First Republic. What's been going on there this week? And, uh, and where are we as we enter the weekend? Okay, so First Republic is still operating. Um, it's, uh, as opposed to Silvergate, Silicon Valley, and Signature, which were all Fed member banks, and the Fed was the primary federal regulator. From what I understand, First Republic is a state non-member, meaning that, you know, you have the state that oversees it, uh, supervises it, and then the FDIC is the primary federal regulator. Uh, they were downgraded this week, which caused a lot of uh, uncertainty. Their stock's been dropping pretty dramatically. They've got a similar situation to uh, some of these other institutions in the sense that they've got some uninsured deposits. Um, they're very highly leveraged. And so what was done, and this has been done over history a few other times, probably in the panic in 1907 you had the banks get together and then in 1984 with continental illinois the banks got together as well uh there were uh you know a number of the big banks i think 10 or 11 of them came together and um extended about 30 billion dollars for deposits um at uh first republic and so it, it, this is uh this is the uncertainty it's there's uncertainty there for the people at first republic uh, the bank itself, there's uncertainty for the depositors. They don't know if they should pull out their funds. If they do, what do they do with it? Do they go to another bank? I mean, a lot of them are going to, you know, the big uh, mega banks like Citi and uh, J.P. Morgan and such um, because everybody knows, as as we laid out in the history of Citi, that they're, uh, you know, they're too big to fail. They've always been too big to fail, and their deposits would be safe, and you're seeing a lot of migration or at least some migration from the smaller institutions to the bigger institutions. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what everybody's got their eyes on is First Republic, at least domestically. You mentioned in, in some of your lead-up about Credit Suisse, which is mm-hmm. kind of yeah. in, a, in a different direction. But yeah, I'll let and, you kind of yeah, determine where we're going with this. Yeah, I'm going to take you there because uh, so the thought was there. there's a bunch of these smaller banks and First Republic is the one that basically, you know, even last weekend we were seeing pictures on uh, ABC Nightly News on Saturday night. I saw pictures of lines in front of first, uh, in front of the ATMs at First Republic. Um, I don't know that they're and so. What was very interesting was I played the uh, I played uh, a little bit of uh, Christine Lagarde's uh, press conference after the ECB decided to raise their rates up to three percent, up fifty basis points, um, and it's almost at the same time that you started to see. So, so as I recall, Credit Suisse reported that they had some kind of misstatement in their financials. Um, that was on Wednesday, and by Thursday, we're hitting them. Credit Suisse is not a – in fact, I heard their chair say on CNBC, you know, she actually used the, uh, the acronym GSIB. Um, we're a GSIB and trying to sort of distinguish himself from the other banks. So could you explain what a GSIB is, why it should matter, why would that chair 
uh, whose name I can't remember, and I probably couldn't pronounce even if I could remember it. Um, uh, why would he? Why would he be bringing that up? And why is that so different than these other four? These other four. Well, the other four were, I would say, lower lower first tier. They were, um, uh, you know, they were considered. Uh, probably something close to systemic um, at, at minimum, but a, a GSIB is a global systemically important bank, so um, that's on a much broader scale. It's it's the FSB, the Financial Stability Board, I believe that, you know, compiles these lists of the GSIBs, and um, they're kind of a cooperative of the, the central banks around the world, and I mean, Credit Suisse has been, um, they've had some losses they announced, as you said. Um, they um, Last year, there was a lot of rumors about their solvency, and they're, I think what you would call, a, or at least ACDC would probably call them a problem child. They, uh, they've gotten into a lot of scandals over the last uh, three, four years. So um, the governance uh, of the institution is, has been under question for quite a while. But um, the Swiss National Bank, which is a central bank, this is, this is not a part of the ECB. Switzerland has their own central bank. Um, rather than being part of the ECB, they've uh, extended about, I think it was $54 billion to Credit Suisse under one of their lending programs to, um, I guess it might be the equivalent of the discount window or something something to that effect. But um, so that, that seems to have stabilized it a little, that, that there were, um, you know, issues there, as you discussed, but, um, you know, the, the, there's just a lot of still remaining certainty. And, and obviously, they're, if, if they have that GSIB label, they know that that's, uh, you know, kind of a code word or a code phrase for um, that their, their position for a bailout. And there's a little more certainty about them getting bailed out as opposed to maybe a, a middle tier um, institution or um, you know, someone like Silvergate or Silicon Valley. Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm sorry, not Silvergate. Silicon Valley or Signature or First Republic, who um, you know were on more on the borderline of whether they were would be um, systemic or not, and, and be the recipient of a bailout. Yeah, I was just going to pe- mention in passing uh, because um, I. I love to watch uh, if anytime I can find a, a series that particularly has subtitles that uh, deals with financial crises. They're more popular in Europe than the United States. Um, this whole thing, uh, this whole piece, was reminding me. Of, did, have you seen Bad Banks uh, on Hulu? Uh, not yet. No. Okay. I, I, if you if if you have a little time, uh, it's only two seasons worth. There's about there's like twelve shows <laughs> altogether. Uh, so, it, but it's uh, I, I think you'd, I think you'd be amused by it. It has some flavor of this, not 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 really, but it's set in Germany and Luxembourg rather than in Switzerland. But uh, it's pretty clear that uh, the bank they're criti- critiquing is Deutsche Bank rather than uh, rather okay. than Credit Suisse. But Credit Suisse has always been one of those banks in Europe that we've always talked about, like oh, some weird stuff happening there. Um, so the well, fact you bring that up it, Europe, and um, I mean it, 
the yeah. U.S. is kind of a laughing stock in Europe in a lot of ways. It's kind of the ugly American narrative. The Americans are always talking about, you know, you can't bail out institutions, you can't bail out institutions and lecturing the Europeans all the time. And here, you know, you have these not very large mega institutions, and they went ahead and bailed bailed them, um, the two of them out. And, you know, that it's just reeks of hypocrisy um you know and and it's it's really something the the europeans are not happy about and there was could could have been lack of communication as well as far as giving you know the authorities over their heads up i'm not sure the extent of the discussions i'm sure they weren't they weren't told these things a couple weeks ahead of time because this kind of happened all of a sudden about um 10 days ago but certainly, um, you know, the European uh, banking authorities aren't happy with this. Yeah, and I, tw- as I, I, I tweeted the story that was in the Financial Times yesterday to that effect that uh, that that they're they're quite they're quite upset about what happened last weekend and, and so forth. Hey, Vern, we need to take a break here. We come back, we'll talk more, and we'll go backward toward Silicon Valley. There's some questions specifically regarding regarding the operation of that bank that uh, I think only Vern could answer for us here today. We're visiting Vern McKinley from the Independent Institute uh, talking about uh, the banking the banking closures of the last 10 days here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? She is? Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. 
You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor. Well, probably maybe like a singer or dancer, I think. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. The Ramsey Show. Never use a life insurance policy as an investment vehicle. 100% of those suck mathematically. There is never a case where leasing a car makes sense. Never do payday lending. There is never a case where going into debt at 18% interest on a credit card makes sense. These are all stupid things. They go in one bucket, the stupid bucket. No-nonsense financial talk. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 here on The Biz 1440. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. We are talking this hour with uh, Vern McKinley from the Independent Institute. Really a... Really, uh, someone who spent a fair amount of time earlier in his career uh, working with uh, w- with uh, federal agencies, including the Federal Reserve and FDIC, Resolution Trust, OTS too, right? Office of Thrift Supervision, if I remember right. Um, and um, and just been paying attention to all of this. Author of two books uh, that involve bailing out banks, including a two century study of City. Um, Vern. Let's go backwards to the to, to this piece. First of all, I want to clear up one thing that I've heard a couple places, including from people I usually listen to quite a bit, like uh, Dave Bonson from the Bonson Group, uh, who writes frequently and, and has a blog, uh, has a podcast uh, on National Review. Was there a reason, a, a regulatory accounting reason, why Silicon Valley Bank could not? hedge away its interest rate risk by just doing an interest rate swap to swap out the uh, the treasury coupons for some variable rate payment? Well, a lot of this is going to get sorted out in the coming months, whether it's GAO or the FDIC IG, but from what I understand, um, as far as the um, the management of interest rate risk, that they were not properly hedging and um, you know, so that'll that'll come out in a lot of these analyses. I mean, the FDIC and the Fed and the Treasury aren't talking too much in detail about this right now. They put out a very short statement um, regarding um, you know the the information depositors needed to know, and um, so I mean I'm, I'm sure we'll be learning a lot of these things over the coming months. But I, I definitely think there was something went awry as far as. Um, you know, interest rate risk that would have, if not eliminated, at least lessened the blow from a lot of these um, cases where they had these in the the held to maturity status and um, had the embedded losses. And then when the depositors ran and they needed to liquidate them, they had to take what they thought was a 
you know, a loss sometime far in the distant future and have to bring it on the books right now. And so, um, you know, I think this will all come out in the coming months. I think GAO does a pretty good job. I, I have never been too much of a fan of the FTIC OIG, which is their inspector general that looks into these things. I, and I'm sure the congressional um, reviews that are done on this uh, will probably not i mean they'll probably be bipartisan or they'll probably be partisan in the sense that you know each camp will take its own narrative and, and only look at evidence that supports it yeah well we're going to go in that direction in a moment but just to let's establish the predicate for the second for the second the order sunday night uh, that closed those two banks, Signature and Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, we knew we, we were going to get something. Signature took us a little bit by surprise. Both declared them to be systemic, be systemically important banks. To, I think I remember that being the term they use, which was the r- way in which they could then bring on all of the tools that they brought on to pay off the uninsured depositors and so forth. Right. So, so. Let me be. Let let me make sure I've got you agree with me on this. This can't. This cannot apply to any other bank, but those two, unless there is a like First Republic. It can't apply to them unless there is this supermajority vote from the Fed, from the FDIC board, and approval from the from the Treasury Secretary in cooperation with the pres, President of the United States. Have I got that right? Right. This. Um Systemic risk, uh, I think it was called originally in the in the 90s. I mean, in the 80s, you had instability very similar to what we're seeing now. And in the early 90s, they had legislation and there was inserted what was called the systemic risk exception. And as you said, you had, the, you know, the governing bodies um, had the super majorities required. Um, so that was applied very often. A lot of my lawsuits that I had um, in 2008 and 2009 to try to drag documents out of the government were I was asking for the memos that justified the systemic, uh, systemically important label. And um, it, it, it was a struggle getting them, but I eventually did get those. The thing is that happened in 2010 with Dodd-Frank is that systemically important um, test was tightened. Probably the the most, um, and in my opinion, I, I think they almost completely ignored that tightening of the systemically important test because it's um, there's a number of requirements, but the the one that gets me is that there's a requirement now that any kind of program like this where you have these bailouts, whether it's uninsured depositors or or everybody on the right side of the balance sheet that's a creditor, um, it has to be broad-based is the language. So what you had in 2008 and 2009, I think the conclusion was, hey, we're doing this on an institution-by-institution basis. There's inequities across institutions, you know, compare... Bear Stearns and Lehman. Bear Stearns gets bailed out. Lehman doesn't. So the argument was, let's not do single institutions anymore. It's got to be some kind of well-thought-out, broad-based program that applies to a number of institutions. And what happened here this past week or 10 days was... Well, we're back to, you know, 2008 where you're bailing out individual institutions and um, and a lot of the banks aren't happy about this. I would guess that some of the 
smaller banks might try to uh, challenge what was decided because um, it's clearly against the um, idea that you can see either in the legislative history or these requirements that were imposed in Dodd-Frank that you don't do these individual institution bailouts anymore. It's, it's very clear from the history. And you mentioned uh, my book, Financing Failure. I, you know, I have a whole chapter on Dodd-Frank and what was done in it. And, and so I, I, mean, I, uh, I, I do not see how they could have just ignored all the, the statutory language and then the legislative history from the development of Dodd-Frank. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the I think that clip we played earlier from uh, uh, Sheila Bear agrees with you about that. But I actually want to play you one more clip. This was, and I'm betting you've heard this already because it's just been it's spread like wildfire fire from the moment it it happened. Uh, this was Senator James Lankford at the who I believe, I believe this is from the banking the Senate Banking Committee uh, with uh, Secretary Yellen at the stand, uh, and Senator Langford is a Republican from Oklahoma, um, asking sort of the very same questions that I think you're asking, Vern. And so let me put these to you here. Let's play this. Cut number one. Start with some of the banking issues we're dealing with on it. Will the deposits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, be fully insured now? Are they fully recovered Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got? A bank only gets that treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board, and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. So what is and your plan? That determination. Right. right. So, so what is your banks. plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. Vern? I would. I mean. I mean. If it wasn't for his accent, I would have thought that was you questioning Secretary Yellen. Uh, I mean. I mean. And 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 she seems at the end of that to be flummoxed. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean. I try not to get very political about on this show, but it's hard to square. The, it's hard to conclude anything other than Senator Lankford is correct. And we've really disincentivized people being in small banks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's it's very clear now there's two two types of banks. And, and this has been the case since the 80s with Continental Illinois, which was bailed out back then. Um, you know, you have the 
I think he called it the preferred uh, the preferred uh, banks at the top of the heap, like City and um, J.P. Morgan, and um, then the uh, it, it seems like that maybe list is expanding um, now with um, with Silicon Valley and Signature, but we just don't know. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's. So the, the the and then the rest of the system, they've got to <clears throat> continue to fight against you know market. They've got to contend with market discipline, and there's just absolutely no market discipline for these large institutions. And you know, again, with the city example, um, you know, they failed five times or approached failure five times from the 1920s through. 2008 and 9 and it's just this never-ending cycle of bailouts of the big institutions and uh, market discipline for um, you know all the smaller institutions and and exactly right as far as the the deposits I mean if you're a depositor and you have a choice um, between institutions and you're worried about the instability right now again the uncertainty that's been created by these bailouts I mean, what are you going to do? You, you certainly would seriously think about moving your uh, funds to a, a, a mega bank. You don't want to take the chance with a, a bank the size of Silicon Valley or um, Signature because they they're right on the bubble there. And you, but you know, it's definitely going to rebound rebound to the down to the benefit of uh, these these mega institutions that have always been preferred. Yeah. Okay. Vern, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to key. I'm going to. I'm going to queue up the question for you. You can have three minutes to think about it. Which is, so do we really need all these small banks? Right. What's What's the purpose of them? We're going to talk about that right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-260-1792. 800-260-1792. That's 800-260-1792. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate. And de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. 
Don't attack or try to disarm an officer, whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested. Don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Do you want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational positions are available and training is provided. Anyone can be a volunteer. You just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Your traditional water softener wastes water as if you ran a full washer for just a pair of socks. Commerce Wet Technology Softeners will save you water and salt. Save $400 when you trade in your old salt hog to Commerce Water. Go to Commerce.com. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. We're back. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Got to go quickly. Visiting with Vern McKinley from the Independent Institute, author of Financing Failure and Borrowed Time, two uh, histories of banking and bailouts that you should you should read. Vern, I left you with this question, right? If I go to other countries, most of those countries have very large banks and don't have community banks. Uh, I had a listener tech uh, uh respond to me on Twitter saying, how come they're not running the bank in your town? Okay, I have an opinion on that, but I'm more interested in what you think. Why do, I mean, I'll put it this way, and I'll do this very provocatively. Do we have too many banks in the United States? Well, I mean, I think um, that there should be a range of options for consumers. You shouldn't have, you know, the mega bank as your only option. Um, and um, but unfortunately, that business model of the, the, the community bank may be uh, trampled in this whole process. I mean, my first job out of college, I was a, a examiner for the FDIC, and I went to a lot of these smaller institutions. And it's much more personalized service. You contrast that with a lot of these stories for with the people uh, with Silicon Valley that were trying to move their money. Did they were they able to go in and have personalized service? No, it was all online. They um, uh, you know had to keep submitting these requests to move their funds. Um, you know, it's 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 not very personalized service at all. Um, but I mean, I think you should definitely have the option to do that. And but I, I think we've seen over the last 30, 40, 40 years, just this uh, steady march of mergers and consolidation. And um, I, I think there should be a place for these smaller institutions, but it's not because they don't have a good business model, um, but it's because of this favored treatment of the of the big institutions that are, um, you know, basically have a back back uh, backing of the of the U.S. government. If they um, ever run into instability again, City's the perfect example of that, where they were um, approaching uh, failure five times and got mm-hmm. a bailout every every one of those times. 
Yeah, I mean, I, when I taught, I taught my first money in banking class in the early 1980s. Um, and I haven't been teaching since I came to be, became dean here in uh, 2014. So it's been a while since I've gone back to look, but I saw a number reported not too long ago. I remember when I would teach, I would talk about there being 14,000 banks in the United States. That's a number I had from back in the 80s. I went back and looked. I have the the first money and banking textbook I taught from, an old copy of Ritter and Silber, which I bet you had too, because uh, it was a very popular textbook back in the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, and And it cited 14,000, some number. It's under 5,000 now. We've had tremendous consolidation already. Yeah, I, I don't and, think there should necessarily have been all these years fifteen or 20,000 because there were other regulations like limitations on branching right. and that yeah. that that caused and, – and that was a big cause of the Great Depression and the, and the, the failures mm-hmm. during the 20s and the 30s was because of this crazy patchwork. And it's good that that has gone away. We've got – um, you know, interstate banking, um, you know, since uh, for the last 20, 25 years, and that's been an improvement. And, it, and you know, that's reasonable consolidation. Instead of having 20 uh, branches, you can consolidate and such. But this case where the only reason that these institutions um, uh, don't have a future is, is is the preferred treatment of the of the big institutions is you know just not a not a good justification to me yeah yeah and i just i just think that's that's what's there hey Vern, we got to go in a minute but i just wanted to ask are you work what are you working on now what are, are you thinking of a third book uh the economics of books uh, just doesn't make sense <laughs> sense for me i don't get yeah you can make more money on other activities i hear you uh, but you're, and then you have to also give up a lot of your free time for three or four years if you work full time. So it just it's right. not a it's it's not a workable arrangement. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear I hear you on that. But uh, uh, are you still write You're still writing pieces for the Independent Institute. Where 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 can we read you next? Uh, I do book reviews for Cato um, probably about okay. six or eight times a year. I don't do that much in the way of writing for um, Independent Institute any longer. But uh, okay. yeah, those are online. All right. Well, Vern, we appreciate the chance to hear from you uh, at Vern McKinley on Twitter. You can always see him there. Uh, and we appreciate your time today, Vern. And thank you for telling us that, telling us about uh, about this. Uh, I think this is an hour we'll play a few times over the next uh, six months or so. Because, you know, like with Bear, I think I think we haven't heard the last of this. This is not going to die off in a week or two. Thank you, Spencer, for your work down there. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. The King Bang show on the biz 1440 looking for a new way to give back to your community learn new skills and make a real difference consider volunteering with your local fire department The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, 
Being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business, and just overall it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. There's bold. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.